Psalm 59. So let's look at it together. A cry for deliverance. David is being pursued by Saul and his men. For the director or the conductor, the, some say the chief musician. That's uh, do not set to do not destroy. So it's, it's a lot of ideas about what that means. We've talked about it before, but it's, it's probably a particular type of melody. Of David, a michtama, a contemplative psalm. Some call it a golden song. There are five of them, I think, in the psalms. Or maybe this is the fifth one. There may be more than five. When Saul sent and they watched the house in order to kill David. Deliver me from my enemies, my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from workers of iniquity and save me from bloodthirsty men. David had a target on his back. He has a promise from God. But even though the covenant exists, he is, as the Bible says, a man after God's own heart, which means, which means he was in pursuit of the heart of God. That, therefore, carried him to prayer all the time. Seeking the direction and the comfort of God. In this case, he needs to be delivered or rescued or saved from his enemies and defended from those. They are workers of iniquity, bloodthirsty men. They have no reason to go after him except that, of course, they're workers of iniquity. So he cries out to God, and here's a description of what's going on. Look, they lurk, they have lurked for my soul. Strong men gather against me. These are, these are, these are special kind of, this is a special kind of men. These probably were some of the best warriors in Saul's army, strong men gather against me, neither for my transgression nor for my sin, Yahweh. They don't have a reason to do this. Through no fault of mine, they run and prepare themselves, awaken or arise to help me and see. Well, it's not like the Lord was asleep, but it does mean that David says, whatever you're doing, please stop doing that and come to me. That's what he's saying. Arise, come to help me, and see what's going on. Well, of course, the Lord knew. But this gives us, the Holy Spirit inspires this prayer, this song, into the heart of the psalmist, and it gives us 
the perspective of how God invites us to just say it like we want to and to, to appeal to him in the way that we, the main thing is appeal to him. Know that he's there. Come to him all the time. It's, it doesn't bother God for us to come to him all the time, but especially in those times of need. And these are one of those many times in the life of David where he has need because his life is at stake. And he cries out against his adversaries. You, Yahweh are you uh, Lord God of armies or, or Lord, of, Lord God of hosts, God of Israel, arise to punish all the nations. Be not merciful to any wicked transgressors. Selah. Now there may have been a conspiracy. These may have been foreign men hired by Saul. They may have been coming into the land to mess things up in the land of Israel. David has a sense here that not just people in the army of Saul, but people from other nations are involved in seeking his destruction. And so he cries out. And this is, this is really f- from, from the perspective of inspired scripture. This is, a, this is an eschatological cry. This is a cry for the final judgment of God to come down upon the nations. And it does at the close of the age. Indeed it does. There's this little glimpse, however, into the, into the history of things, into the way things are going, that the way of the world always is in opposition to the way of God. Sooner or later, it doesn't matter how good or moral or straight or right or whatever, a nation may seem to be, except for the theocracy designated by God, the Gentile powers will always finally collapse into wickedness and ungodliness and worldliness. It's the way of the world. The time comes when all of that culminates at the close of the age, and indeed, this prayer is completely answered. But if you look at it across the span of the Old Testament, you can see the workings of the way of the world and the enemies of Israel all the way through uh, the Old Testament. So these are just pockets of demonic possession and from time to time they may even come together. Today do we not see the same thing for the most part? Nations in the world joining themselves together for the destruction of Israel? We do. We see that today. It's always been that way and it's never worked out for them. But uh, 
For some reason, they, they keep at it. Well, here is the great cry, and this is indeed the, uh, the result of the consummation of all things when the judgment of nations comes down upon the world. So here, re recounting the cry, looking at the crisis. They return in the evening, they howl like a dog and encircle the city. Look, they spew forth with their mouth. They have swords in their lips for who hears? Okay, it's like a mad dog. Howling, growling, foaming at the mouth. Throwing, you know how a dog, even Jesus said a dog returns to its vomit. Dogs, these are, like, these are like mad dogs circling the city, foaming, growling with sharp teeth. Now, here's what David is saying in, this second, in, the, in the second verse here in the, in the slide. My verse 8, it probably is your verse 7. One of the ways that David was really troubled and came under attack was the way of, through conspiracy, the way of spreading lies and untruths about David. That is, that is, such, that is such a difficult thing to overcome. It's always been a ploy of the devil. I have, I have experienced it, faced it in the, in the ministry, uh, even, even within church life. Just make something up, throw everything we can up against the wall. Let's see what sticks because we don't like that guy. Okay? So this is what's happening to David. They're trying to open up several fronts in his struggle as the choice of God to be the king of God's people. So they're like mad dogs. They're crazed. They want to tear something to shreds with their, their teeth. And, uh, and they're foaming at the mouth with madness. And so the question is here, who's listening? That's a, that's a, that's a haunting question to the guy who's being lied about. Who's really listening to this? Who hears? So we come back then to a confession of faith. But you, Yahweh, will laugh at them. Now I want you to take note, and I've said this many times. In his prayers in these situations, David starts in desperation. As he moves through his prayer or his psalm, his mind turns slowly away from himself and his trouble to God and the greatness of God and the Word of God. So he is, he is comforted and turned about in his heart as he prays. So here he goes. But you, Yahweh, will laugh at them. You will mock all the nations. Because of his strength, I hope for you, for Elohim is my fortress. 
my stronghold. I need you. I'm not strong enough. I need you. And then he says, God of my mercy. That word, that word is akin to the word that speaks of loving kindness or covenant love. So, the God with whom I have a relationship, and God always establishes the relationship with us. We don't ever establish the relationship with God. He establishes it with us. So that, that gives to us a description of how strong the bond is. Did that flash? Mine flashed. Okay. All right. Well, it's still there. That's good. All right. God of my mercy. You think about that. Mercy seat. Mercy seated. Eternal salvation. The one accepting the blood. Sitting on top on the lid, the mercy seat, under which is the law, so the law doesn't have effect. The blood of the mercy seat has effect because God is the God of the covenant who has established it with me. Therefore, he is the God of my mercy. Now, he's, he's extremely personal here. God of my mercy will come to meet me. Elohim, God will allow me to see my desire on my enemies. God's going to take care of this. But in taking care of it, he's going to show me what he's done. And the victory that is coming because he is God of my mercy. God of my mercy. So he cries out again for judgment against those who are coming after him. Don't kill them, lest my people forget. Scatter them with your power and bring them down. Adonai, my shield, my force, my shield. Adonai, master, owner, sovereign, my shield. So Adonai owns David and stands as a shield, master and slave. You see, appealing to Yahweh as Adonai makes David the slave helpless, not even in ownership of himself. So there's nothing he can do except expect his master, Adonai, to be his shield, to protect him, scatter them, so that every time your people look at them in their humiliation and their helplessness, they will remember what you did for me. The sin of their mouth is the word of their lips. Let them be taken down in their pride because of the 
cursing and lies that they tell. How are people going to know that all of these awful things that are being said about David are not true? By observing how Yahweh will elevate David, elevate, elevate him to the place that he promised for him, and how all of those who have come against him will be diminished and become irrelevant, really. Consume them in wrath. Consume them so they will be no longer. And they will know that Elohim rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. Silah, Jacob, that's, that's the other name for Israel, Judah, Israel. Silah, stop here and think about it. Silah. So again, he recounts what he has faced. And they will return in the evening, growl like a dog, will encircle the city, roam about for food, and howl if they are not satisfied. This is how, this is how it is shown that they are not really truthful because they have to keep going back doing the same thing. Do you ever get tired, especially politicians, saying the same stuff about the other guy all the time and it never works to anything? Well, this is the principle that's in effect here. They keep doing the same thing. They keep growling. And they're looking for something that they can feed on, but they're never satisfied. They make accusations against David, but it never comes to fruition. It isn't there. There's no smoking gun, if you will. So they're never satisfied, and they just keep circling and doing the same stuff, looking for food. So this is, this is something that shows this is, a, this is a circumstance that shows us that God is rendering them irrelevant and useless in what they're doing. So that part of their conspiracy, that part of their attack on David is taken away from them. So he makes this final confession here in the last couple of uh, verses. I will sing of your power. I will sing praises of your kindness in the morning, for you were my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Now he calls God his strength. My strength. To you I will sing praises, for Elohim is my defense. Elohim is my God of mercy. My God of mercy. So I will sing praises for Elohim is my defense. My God of mercy. It was said the other way earlier. God of my God, God of my mercy. And here it's my God of mercy. So he's David's strength. He's David's master. He's David's owner. He's David's defense. He's David's shield. 
He's David's mercy. All of this from the loving God that has called David to himself and given him a special task and to establish the house of David and the throne of David that will never know an end. How so and why so? Because of the power and strength of God. Not David or any of his sons that follow, except of course the great son of David, Christ Jesus, who culminates and fulfills all of those things to be seated as the king of kings into the ages of the ages. Well, we'll stop there and we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.